Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nate Cashdan. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah, aren't you? I'm going to preach to you a bunch of these songs here. No. All right. So, special day today, because I'm preaching. You guys are too easy to impress. Hey, do you have your notes? If you don't have notes, raise your hand. You're going to need them, because uh, if you've been, keep your hands up. Miss Mari Cornelius will give you some notes, and uh, Miss Karen McCutcheon over here on this side. Keep your hand up real high so they can see them. If you've been here for more than a year, this won't be a surprise for you. If you're new within the last year, surprise. Um, we have our, or I call it Nate's, annual Christmas quiz. Shut your Bibles, put your phones away to where you can't see them. Keep your hands up if you need notes. These, uh, this, uh, we got some prizes here that's going to test your knowledge of Scripture. And I, I need to stress to you that every single one of these questions and answers comes directly out of Matthew's, Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke chapter 1 and 2. Okay, so it's, what does the Bible say? Everybody say, what does the Bible say? say? Yeah, that's it. Keep that in mind. It'll do you well. All right, everybody getting the notes? The questions will be be up on the screen. I'll read them once, and we're going to go through these quick. You may not cheat off your spouse. You may not cheat off your phone. You may not cheat off your Bible, and you, uh, God is watching, so... I'm just saying. All right, everybody got them? Okay, cool. Question number one. Remember, this is what does the word say, okay? Why did Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem? Please don't shout the answer out. These are fill in the blank with your pen or pencil. Why did Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem? I'll give you a hint. The answer is not false. (laughs) Or C. So don't, you know, those you like, oh, I thought it was going to be a multiple choice. Nope. All right, number two, where did Joseph and Mary travel from when they came to Bethlehem? Where did Joseph and Mary travel from when they came to Bethlehem? If you put their house, that will not count. <laughs> oh, I've received, I've done this for so many years, probably almost 10 years, I've received answers you wouldn't, you just laugh at. I'll, I mean, hilarious. Yeah, far away. Yeah, it's like. Number three, how many wise men came to visit Jesus? How many wise men came to visit Jesus? Number four, what was the name of the angel sent to Mary? What was the name of the angel sent to to Mary. Also, if there's any arguments to these answers, I have all the scripture references for you if you need them. So, number five, who referred, and it's going to get a little harder now, who referred to Jesus as, quote, a light for revelation to the Gentiles? Who referred to Jesus as a light for revelation to the Gentiles? If you say the Holy Spirit, that will not count. 
The Holy Spirit inspired their speech. Number six, why did the wise men not report back to Herod as they had been instructed? Why did the wise men not report back to Herod as they had been instructed? Number seven, how far along in her pregnancy was Elizabeth when Mary went to visit her? How far along in her, not in weeks, in her pregnancy was Elizabeth, but not in trimesters either, when Mary went to visit her? Number eight. Where did John the Baptist live before he appeared publicly in Israel? Where did John the Baptist live before he appeared publicly in Israel? This is the last verse of Luke chapter 1. Number nine. What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? Number 10, what was the first thing that the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds? What was the first thing that the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds? All right, two extra credits, okay? Extra credit number one, what tribe was the prophetess Anna from? That's not the hard one. The next one's the hard one. What tribe was the prophetess Anna from? Luke 2.36. I gave this test to Zeb this morning, and he did good. He got 8 out of 10. Um, and his answer for this question was the Ananites, <laughs> which I thought, that's pretty good deductive reasoning, Zeb. <laughs> wrong, but it's pretty good deductive reasoning. All right, extra credit number two. What was Joseph's grandfather's name? What was Joseph's grandfather's name? All right, that's probably one that if you know it, you know it. If you have a photographic memory of the 42 generations of the genealogy of J between Jesus and... Okay. All right, let's go see how you all did. Question number one, what or, uh, why did Joseph and Mary travel to Bethlehem? For the census. That's right. Number two, where did Joseph and Mary travel from when they came to Bethlehem? Nazareth and Galilee. If you put Galilee, that's fine. Nazareth, Nazareth and Galilee. How many wise men came to visit Jesus? The Bible does not say. Or if you put two or more, that is also a valid question. The Holy Spirit told me it was three does not count. Yeah, that's right. They, the real answer is in here. You got to buy it. I'm just kidding. Uh, number four, what was the name of the angel sent to Mary? Gabriel. Good. You can say it with confidence. You're like, ah. um, who referred to Jesus as a light for revelation to the Gentiles? Simeon. That's right. Good job. Good job. 
Uh, why did the wise men not report back to Herod as they had been instructed? They were warned in a dream not to. Anything to that effect, again, God is watching. God told them not to. That's totally good. Yep, yep, that works. Uh, how far along in her pregnancy was Elizabeth when Mary went to visit her? Six months. That's right. Here's a bonus. How long did Mary stay with Elizabeth? Three months. Here's another bonus. Did Mary witness the birth of John the Baptist? I don't know. I don't know. It does, I want to know. It, I'm like, she was there you know, for the ninth month. It just doesn't say. Thanks a lot, Luke. Um, anyways, uh, where were we? Oh, where did John the Baptist live? Number eight, where did John the Baptist live before he appeared publicly in Israel? The desert. The wilderness. Yes, that's Luke 180 says, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly in Israel. All right. Number nine. What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? We have no idea. The Bible does not say anything about an innkeeper. I told you, this is not the chosen. This is not a quiz on, on vacation Bible school lessons. This is not a quiz on, on, it's a quiz on what the Bible says. What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? I mean, it's very possible that no one told them anything. Everyone was in town for the census. Of course there was no room. They were traveling probably much slower than everybody else because she was super-duper pregnant. You can imagine, moms, how that was. Okay, number 10. What was the first thing the angel of the Lord said to the shepherds? Fear not or do not be afraid. Anything to that effect will work. All right, extra credit number one. What tribe was the prophetess Anna from? Who said Asher? Asher, that's right. Good job. Who got that one? Raise your hand if you got that one. One, two, no, Milio. That, see, that's a tough one. Good job, guys. Yeah. All right, number, no, extra credit number two. What was Joseph's grandfather's name? No. <laughs> Grandpa David Jr. No. Anybody anybody have a guess? No, no. It was Matan, M A T T H A N. Mathan, Matan. Did you get it? Did you get it? Yeah, I thought, man, if one person gets this, that's good. So I gave Kyle the test uh, orally this morning. I basically said, you can't win this year. So, and he said, give me the quiz, and he missed that one. He said, you got to tell me if somebody gets that one. So <laughs> nice. Good job, Brooke. His wife got it. So, All right, total up. Listen, total is out of 10. Total everything up, okay? Anybody get 12 out of 10? Anybody get 11 out of 10? Raise your hand real high if I can. Who got 10 out of 10? Kathy Wilson. Come on up here. Come on up and get your prize, okay? Did anybody get, uh, anybody get 9 out of 10? Come on up. Come on up. Anybody else? Who got 8 out of 10? Good for you all. I don't have enough prizes to give all the 8 out of 10s prizes, but stand up. Stand up. Stand up if you got 8 out of 10. Zeb standing there. Good job. You all know your Bible. Good job. Good job. Congratulations. All right, let's get into something serious. Oh, 
That was pretty serious, yeah. Oh, hey, I just realized yesterday, somebody told me I should do this. I haven't actually stood up here and said, hey, look at my book here. Now you see it. It came out. I'm super excited. Many of you have it. Um, it's called The Religious Spirit. I have some. To, they're 15 bucks. Please don't let that, if you're like, I can't afford 15 bucks, I'll just give one to you. Just let me know if you need it. I'd rather you have it and read it. It's cool. Some of my friends from elementary school have reached out to me because they see it on Instagram and stuff. I haven't talked to them in 20 years or more since after high school. And they, and they, uh, uh, some of them are reading it and actually getting really touched. And they're not believers. And, the, and, and they're like, hey, can you tell me more about, like, and the, I had one guy call me and he said, hey, what church should I go to? He lives in the town that I'm from. What church should I go to? You know, we really want to get involved in church. You know, just from reading this, this, this isn't like, this isn't like, you know, the gospel through, pay, you know, do you know what I mean? This isn't like how to get saved, but they're reading this book, it's, you know, and they're like, uh, it's amazing. So anyways, they're 15 bucks, three for 45, it's a special deal today. No, no, actually, I'm glad you asked. Because I'm, I'm doing it, it's three for 40 for Christmas. So if you want to give them away with gifts, I have them today. We take cash, check, card, gold bullion, deer leases, real estate, anything. Um, Bitcoin, no, I don't take any of that. Something tangible. Something tangible. All right. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We take deer leases, right, Shane? We'll take that as payment all day. All right, write me into your will, any of that, yeah. Sorry, now I'm thinking about, like, how, what are the other ways that I, you know? Anyways, all right, enough of that. I had this word on my heart for uh, several weeks now. Um, the Lord started speaking to me about expectation weeks ago, okay? Rachel Doroth speak, uh, preached a great message on expectancy versus expectation a couple years ago, so I'm not going to re-preach that, so just go listen to that if, if you want more on sort of those differences and stuff. It was very well done. Um, but really, the Lord was speaking to me more about, more about uh, what can be expected out of pastors and what pastors can expect out of the congregation. And so I started digging into uh, to that aspect of it. And uh, because do you know that the number one leading cause of pain and disappointment is unmet expectations? Yeah, that's not new information. That you like, you don't have to do. You don't have to pay for a study to find that truth out. That's just true. Um, I mean, if you came in this morning and you looked at the carpet and you didn't like it, before you say anything, I just need you to read this book <laughs> before you make a comment that you're gonna have to, you know, walk back on. But anyways, but you, you, you maybe maybe you had an expectation that it was gonna be green. Right? And you're like, ugh. And you just like instantly get like kind of hurt, offended, and bummed. It's just because you had an expectation. Some expectations are realistic and good. It's good to be expectant for things, right? I always tell people, you know, when we're praying for healing, I say, well, what are, you ex what are we expecting? Are we expecting God to show up and fulfill his promise? Are we expecting to say words and stay sick? You know what I mean? I mean, there's, and there's a lot of things in between, but what are we expecting? What, like, uh, there's, and there's a difference, be, you know, between hope and faith, and there's all these differences, but they kind of wrap around this, this idea of expectation, where we can have unrealistic or out of line or disorderly expectations that are, first of all, we shouldn't be surprised when we get disappointed, and then we can have really healthy expectations that even when those aren't really met, at least they, were in, they came from a healthy place. So anyways, we'll get into this a little bit. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is out of the New King James I know. 
I had to type it up because I don't have the New King James, so, um, but it had the wording that I wanted to, that I wanted to use, the, kind of the classic understanding of this verse. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. He's writing about Jesus, okay, in this section. So it says, and he himself, meaning Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Let me stop right there. This is where we, this is where we get the phrase, we, maybe you've heard it before, we refer to as the five-fold ministry, okay? These are, these are offices in the church. Some of these same things, evangelism, uh, uh, prophecy, you know, pastor, teacher, apostle, that can also be a gift, right? Where someone can have a gift of evangelism. But when you are in the office of evangelist, the person is the gift, okay? When, when Jesus gives the office of apostle, the office of prophet, the person is the gift. That's the, the distinction there. And what he, the distinction he is, or what he's specifically talking about here is the office. So it says, Jesus himself gave these. Verse 12, why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of CNN by the trickery of men <laughs> in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a giant run-on sentence, and I understand that, but what Paul is saying is Jesus himself set up, a, for lack of a better word, a hierarchy in the church so that the church will be equipped to do the work. There's so many, so many points here. The, the reason why he had to set up people to equip the church to do the work is because the work that needs to be done can't be done by a select few. There's a common understanding in churches around the world that, that pastors are the ones who are the ones that do the ministry. And we're just, we just go to church. Pastors do the ministry. When literally the Bible says that the pastor's job is to equip you to do the ministry. Some of those you just have to let sit for a second. So I just, in the few minutes that we have here, I just want to help equip you with healthy expectations that you can have of your pastors here at River and the Hills Church alongside expectations that we will have of you. That way there's a clear understanding. We talk about a little bit of this in Rith 101, kind of like here's what you can expect, you know, and here's what we expect of you. But this is a little bit more narrow um, purposefully, narrow being a good thing. Sorry, a little more focused. And I understand, guys, that this is a this is sometimes a messy topic. And many many leaders, you know, we shy away from this kind of stuff, talking about teaching people how to relate to them. But it's it's literally our job. Like the Bible says, this is why Jesus put in his job to do these things. So if we're not going to teach it, who's going to teach it? But I understand that there's unhealthy dynamics in congregation to pastor relationships sometimes. 
And I understand sometimes that we get into idol worship. We idolize somebody so much that they become Jesus or they take the place of Jesus, right? Or we, we put them on such a pedestal that we end up sort of worshiping and that's not healthy and that's not good. And then you have the complete polar opposite of that where there's zero respect for the pulpit at all, zero respect for the man of God, zero respect for his position and authority where it's like, hey, get up there and say something that makes us feel good. Don't, don't, tr- don't get out of line. Don't tell me I'm doing something wrong. Don't, con- don't preach anything convicting. Don't preach anything. Like, you go to this church, you're like, you better not mention anything about politics. Better. There's this, sort of this understanding, sometimes spoken, most of the time unspoken, that the pastor just needs to kind of submit to the desires of the people or else the tithes stop coming in and the paycheck stops coming in. I'll let that one sit for a sec, too. I'm just saying there, there's, there's unhealthy realms in both. You, have the, you can have this super... I, idolizing, sort of man worship, sort of demonic spin on the pulpit, and then you can have equally demonic, which is a complete disrespect and disregard for it, where the, where the healthy part lies right in the middle, okay? Uh, always remembering that Jesus himself is the one who calls appoints and anoints, okay? Um. Several different ways to equip people. We don't have time to talk about that, but, uh, but you'll experience a lot of those ways. Somebody, when people come up to me often, I mean, Sloan can attest to this, that I've had you know, guys come up to me and say, hey, Nate, will you disciple me? Well, right now, at this season in my life, I'm, I'm pretty much stretched about as thin as I can get stretched. And, um, and so I say, I don't say no necessarily. I say, here's some things that I do that are open to the public home group, Sunday mornings, where I, I list all these things where I'm going to be living my life and people are welcome to come in. And I say, if you want to be discipled by me, come watch how I live my life. Because that is actually how young men were discipled by rabbis. They went to go live with the rabbi. And you weren't just sitting down and getting instruction all the time. You just watched the rabbi. And then monkey see, monkey do. Right? I'm not calling myself a monkey. I'm just saying but I, I say, hey, you know, you want to be a disciple by me? Come on over for lunch. You know, I'm not going to sit down and teach you, uh, at least in that setting. But you'll see me relate to my wife, and you'll see me relate to my kids. You'll see me relate to everybody else that comes over. So that's one way that I equip. Right? Another way is just teaching. But I'll tell you what, a lot of the equipping, listen, doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. There is equipping that happens. But I'm telling you, the, because I'm, we're giving a word from the Lord that's, gonna, that's going like this, like a shotgun. <laughs> right? And Fred's going to hear something different. Glenn's going to hear something. Chuck's, everybody's going to get ministered to differently by the Holy Spirit. But the targeted equipping happens more on a, on a one-on-one or in a home group, in a small group, in, a, in sort of a focused environment, okay? That's where, that's where a lot of the equipping happens, watching other people, how they handle things. I get equipped. Pastor Glenn and I have, have a, a, a discipleship relationship where he disciples me. I, not one time, probably, in, in the five years that I've been here, as he sat down with me and said, here, I'm going to disciple you now, I just watch how he handles things, and then I change the way I handle it because I learn. And so it's, it's, but it's, you, have to, you have to spend time. You have to be with it. You have to ask questions. You have to be involved, okay? All right. So without getting too far off track here, um, I just want to give you four uh, what I'm calling healthy expectations, okay? You can write these down in the, on your little note page. This is the one day a year that I print out notes um, because, you know, you got to have them for the Christmas quiz, so... No, I'm just kidding. Probably do it three times a year. Um, 
along with four expectations that we have of you, okay? All right. Number one, expect to be prayed for as we expect for you to pray for us, your, past, your pastors. Generally speaking, we pray for you often, meaning we pray for all of the people who call River in the Hills Church their home, okay? We don't always do every single person by name because we don't have formal membership or a roster, right? But we know most of you, and the people, those of you that are involved in our home groups, we get a little bit more uh, sort of intimate details on, but we pray for you often. When you have a specific prayer request, please fill out a prayer card, right? Send a prayer inquiry in on, through the website, text, email. You can you, let us know, all right? Um, if you're sick or you're hurting, please don't assume that we know. I've had so many people, I'm so hurt and offended that the church didn't call me when I was sick. Like, first of all, I know you mean the pastor when you say the church. Second of all, we didn't know you were sick. James 5 doesn't say sit home and wait to be called by the elders of the church. It says if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. I'm telling you, like, we, can't, we don't know what we don't know. Love you all dearly, but we got to know. We got to know. And I, and I promise you, and, and you know, I mean, many of you can attest when, when you call, we will do our best to, to answer and to, and to pray and to intercede. All right. Um, Pastor, I want you guys to have a lot of grace with us. We receive a ridiculous amount of, of communication every week, and it's good, but every once in a while something gets lost, and, it just, and just assume love believes the best, so if you call or text and you don't get a response, believe that it got lost in the 80 other text messages that we got. No joke. I'm not full-time here at the church. And sometimes if I'm working, I'll set my phone down, you know, from seven to whatever, five when I pick it back up, and there'll be 80 text messages. So it's like, and some of them are groups, right? Which, when I get to heaven, <laughs> and I look down and see what's in hell, it's going to be mosquitoes and group text messages. <laughs> All right. Now you're all going to be afraid to put me in a group text, but I better text Nate, you know, separately from the group. No, don't do that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's like ping, 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 ping. Like, love, like, love, like, love. Okay, anyways, I'm done. I'm done. I digress. All right. Third thing under here, under number one, is uh, we need your intercession and prayers and covering. As leaders, we have a massive target. You've heard this before, like, well, leaders have a great target on their back. That's real. That is real. Okay, our families need your prayer. Our families need your surrounding, your covering. Okay, we will be better to pour out here when we are better covered out here. Does that make sense? I hope so. Um, so thank you. for. I know many of you pray for us daily. Thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Number two, expect to be equipped as we expect you to get equipped for the work of the ministry. Right out of Ephesians 4, Sloan preached last week, the best way to get equipped is to show up. That's the best way. 
Sunday mornings, home groups, prayer meetings, Bible studies, discipleship opportunities, outreaches, anything that we do. Or you, I mean, if you want to be equipped, you cannot be equipped alone by yourself somewhere. I'm a hands-on learner, okay? When somebody's teaching me something, I'm like, show me, but I, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see it, and I'm going to do it. Some people learn, they need, direct, they need to read the directions, and then they interpret like that. Some people, they need to be shown, and then they need to be walked through it again. After they've seen it, then they need to be walked through the steps. There's all kinds of different ways to learn, but you have to be there to learn. Heed the instructions that we give, and heed the convictions of the Holy Spirit. We give instructions, the Holy Spirit gives the convictions. Ephesians 4 says, uh, it's kind of giving reasonings, uh, Paul's giving reasons why Jesus appointed these leaders, these offices over the church, and one of the reasons is that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. See, there's a real growth step with real results that happens when we get equipped. When we get equipped, no longer, when we hear something that's new, we don't go, ah, is that am I going to go to hell? Am I not saved anymore? Am I not? Like, we don't have that kind of like, oh, no. Like, just like our whole foundation gets shaken and undone. When we get equipped, we're able to hear things and go, oh, yeah, that used to confuse me, but I, I know that's a lie. Oh, that used to, I used to not know, but I know that's truth now. I used to, you know, and we're able to go and put our finger on it and go, nope, no, you don't know everything because we're all continually being equipped. Your pastors are continually being equipped. Because you can only give away what you have. So we have to continue to fill up so we can pour out. Okay, so nobody's arrived. But, but, when we, but when we're able to not be like, ah, about everything, we know we're getting equipped. We know we're getting the tools that we need to be able to do what we've been called to do. Okay? We'll equip you with what you need to love God, your neighbor, heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, give extravagantly, and teach others to do the same. Right? In the same spirit of Matthew 18, 9, and 20, Go and make disciples, and then teach them to make disciples. It's duplicate. Number three, expect to be corrected and rebuked as we expect you to respond well to correction and rebuke. Our goal is for any correction to be brought out of love, first for God and then for you. As pastors, we're not the end all meaning the buck doesn't stop with us. We always go to the word of God. The word of God is the end all. It's the final authority. We're not the final authority. Well, we, but our opinions are not the final authority. The word of God is. But so many times, if we go to bring a correction, it's sort of received like, well, you've just been, you've just been waiting to bring that to me, haven't you? You've just been waiting for me to screw up so that you can, yes, I sit at home. I sit at home with Kaylee, and she brings me, you know, a, a dessert, and she's like, what are you thinking about? I'm like, I can't wait till someone fails. I can't wait. I can't wait to just go get in somebody's face and tell them how stupid they are. But seriously, that's how it's received sometimes. Like, I mean, like, we hate confrontation. Who likes confrontation? Sick people like confrontation. The reason we confront is out of a fear of the Lord. Because the Bible says that we, are, we as teachers of the word of God, are held to a higher standard. That means that if we observe a habitual or active sin and 
don't say something about it, we get punished for that. That's held against us. Your sin held against me because I didn't do anything about it. Not because I actively participated in it. That would be wrong too. But because I, but because I chose to do nothing. That's one of the rebukes that the Lord gives the church in Revelation. You stood by and did nothing. I have to intervene. If I see you living, if I know that you're living with your girlfriend, I'm going to tell you something about it. Because it's wrong. That's a popular one these days. People are like, yeah, 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 I know I'm not supposed to have sex until I get married, but that doesn't apply to me. I can just, I was just like, you just, whatever. You know, God's going to forgive me. There's grace. I'm going to digress again. We're running out of time. Last point on this, and then we'll get to the fourth one and close. Matthew 18, let me get the verses, 15 through 20. Okay, Matthew gives us instruction about how to deal with a brother who's in sin. Okay, that means a brother or a sister or a mother or a father, a person. Okay, another believer who is in sin. It gives us explicit directions on how to deal with it. It says, number one, you go to them. And my point in this is that Matthew 18 wasn't written for pastors. My point is that y'all, we're, I, I'm not the only one that can correct and rebuke. Y'all can do it. Every follower of Jesus has been instructed. If you see a brother that sin, it says if his brother has sinned against you, meaning that if you see someone who is sinning, go to them. Don't go to someone else about them. Do not go to someone else about them. You go to them. Sorry, a little shake it out, man. Listen, you go to them. If they repent, you've won them over. That's what the word of God said. Then it's done. Then you, then again, you don't go to somebody else and go, hey, look, I just fixed this situation over here. He was in. No, it's done. If the Lord forgets their sin, you forget it, okay? Number two, if, if they don't repent, then you grab another brother and you tell them what's going on and you go to them together and you plead heart to heart with them to repent. If they still don't repent, you can go get somebody else. You can go get a third. You can bring it to, to Pastor Glenn. At that point, everybody say at that point. You can bring it to Pastor Glenn or myself and have us be a third person, okay? I think I speak for Pastor Glenn when I say before that, Unless it's a matter of safety, we don't want to know about it, okay? Because that's telling on somebody, okay? All right? No, no narcs in the kingdom. All right. Anyways, <laughs> listen. But the third person, if they still don't repent, then we'll treat them like an unbeliever. That's what the word of God says. And what does that mean? That means that we're not going to extend open fellowship to them anymore. And then we're always going to leave the door open for repentance and restoration, we always, always leave the door open for repentance or restoration. But if they have actively chosen to remain in a sinful lifestyle and they will not repent, we have to treat them like the way that they're acting. That's what the word of God says. And that's for every single one of you in this room, including me. And I've walked many, many people through this. And only once have we gotten to the end of Matthew 18 and had them still not repent. Only one time in my entire, I've probably walked 25 people through this I had one person give me the finger and leave at step two, and then I had everybody else repents at step one. Everybody, you, you, the devil's like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It usually works. 
That's why it's in there. It's great. All right, worship team, come back up. Everybody stay engaged. There's one more thing. You see, there's a common misconception, before I get to the last thing, there's a common misconception in the church that says that we're not supposed to judge people. How many of you have heard that? It's not my job to judge. Lie! (laughs) If you don't judge your brother or your sister, who's going to judge them? That's why so many people are wrapped up living in sin, because nobody's judging the sin. John 7, 14 says to judge righteous judgment. That means that you take the log out of your own eye and you go to them and you declare righteousness over their situation. Hey, what you're doing is wrong. I'm not, I know you're not in sin, Cynthia. You're just right here in the end of my finger. I keep pointing at her. She'd be like, God knows. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll point over here, Kaylee. John 7, 24, I think I said 7, 14. John 7, 24, we're to judge righteous judgment. We don't judge unbelievers, and we don't judge the heart. We judge the fruit, okay? So if what you're seeing is rotten fruit, call it for what it is. It is your job to judge. You're not the judge, the final judge. You're not the judge of the heart. That's, that's Jesus. But it's your job to look at something and to call and to measure it against what the word of God says about it. And if you're looking at something and the word of God says that it's sin, then you say that it's sin. That is agreement with God. There's nothing wrong with that and everything right with it. It's amazing. All right. Number four, expect to be loved as we expect that you love us back. And I know that y'all love me and most of you love Glenn. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We are, like, we are so thankful for this church. You guys, I mean, I listened to Sloan. I was in with the kids last week. I listened to Sloan's message this week. I said, I thought it was a good, it's such a good word. And then I thought, I looked around, and I was like, when you preach a message about going to church, you usually preach it to everybody who went to church, right? So you're just like, well, I'm, you know, but it's, it's like, I look around, and I go, so many people are doing this. So many people are, are succeeding and, and are just like marching. There's great victory in all these areas. And I look around and I see so many, so many healthy expectations from you. And the things that we expect of so many of you are, are healthy because we're, we're, we're seeing them happen in front of us. I brag on this church to people that don't go to church. I, I, I jokingly, I usually start and I say, I, well, Jesus goes to church at our church. But you're, I'm sure your church is great. You know, but, you know, if you want to go to a real church, no, I, I just, you know, <laughs> and they know me, you, but I'm, I'm serious. Like we, Pastor Glenn and I talk all the time. We go, we're so blessed. We say that about you guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to flatter you. Some of you are a pain in the butt, but, but mostly, <clears throat> mostly, I'm just kidding. We seriously, you can look at some of our texts. We just thank, we thank the Lord for our people. We say our sheep are so fluffy. We do. The little emoticon of the sheep is in our text all the time, and it's such a good thing because because I hear pastors all the time talking about how sheep poop and how sheep are you know stinky and how sheep are and they're you know and they're they're like that's their that's their way of complaining, right? I'm like, man, we just we love our people so much. We're so blessed, and so and but the thing is too, we know that we're loved by you. Did I say that right? Yes. Like I know you love me. Many of you tell me, and I, I'm so thank. It's so easy, it's so easy to love you. All right. 
Would you stand with me? busy week coming up for many, if not most of you. I encourage you to go into Christmas Eve, Christmas, all of your family visitation, all of your interactions. I encourage you to go with very, very healthy expectations. Okay? You don't want to lower your expectations and go in futilely. You don't want to go in as a uh, as defeated and just say, well, I'm just not going to expect anything good. That way I won't be disappointed. But I'm telling you to put your hope in the Lord. Put your expectation in what he has promised to deliver you. Because if, if he hasn't promised it and it's something you want, then that's hope and that's a good thing. But if he's promised it, then you can put faith in what he's promised. He will meet you at the level of your faith. And I'm telling you, I know, there's some, <clears throat> I know there's some nerves and some anxiety from some of you, but you can cast that all before him and expect that he will deliver you from all of the hypothetical conversations you've had in your head about that you have to have with your family members this week. All the hypothetical conversations you've had, hypothetical interactions that you've been dreaming about, dreading and thinking about, He will deliver you from those things and flip them. Some of the most life-changing interactions that I've had relationally have been when I thought it was going to be horrible. And I went into it, and the Lord flipped it, and it ended up being great, and it changed my life. This is amazing. So he's going to do that for you. So go into it with great expectancy. We're going to have a time of ministry. We're going to end here in a second. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray over Hyde and Cynthia in a moment as well. This is their last Sunday with us. But I encourage you guys, I encourage you guys to come forward and get prayer if you need it, especially as we like lock arms and kind of kind of get filled up as you are launched out into these week, into these days, this coming week. Let me just bless you. Father God, I thank you. God, for each one that's in this room, for each one listening to the sound of my voice. Father, I thank you that you've placed Pastor Glenn, myself, Kyle, our wives as shepherds over this house. Father, I pray, Lord, for healthy expectations both ways, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, for great breakthrough. Father God, I pray, Lord, for more fruit. God, I pray for courage to call out sin for sin. Call sin for what it is, God. I pray, Lord, for courage to make good choices. Fill us up, Lord, this week as we go out and celebrate your birth, God. But so often we, we forget or it's, it's eclipsed or overshadowed by family drama or tension or whatever it is. God, would you deliver from every evil scheme that's, that's been put against us this week? God, would you put us in positions and situations where you're going to come and flip things and make things good. You're going to come and take what the enemy meant for evil, and you're going to flip it and turn it for good, Father. Yeah, Lord, I pray, Lord, for salvations this week. Father, for healings and deliverances, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, extravagance in giving, Lord. I pray against, God, the 
the, uh, the, the shame or the guilt that might get brought up by being around family again, Lord. Father, I pray for peace as you are the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.